0: If you guys been watching the NFL playoffs, I, I mean, they've been like no other year before. I, I think almost every game came down to the, to the last play, the last score. And um, if you look at it, I, I think any of eight different teams could be in the Super Bowl. But we've got two. You can only have two. So you've got the Los Angeles Rams. And then you have the very unlikely Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals behind their young quarterback, Joe Burrow. And... Uh, I mean, if you don't believe in miracles, there's a miracle right there. So you got the Bengals in there, and, and I just love how Joe's been leading his team. And, and there's one picture that sort of stands out to me, and it was this one of Joe. Do you guys know what Joe's doing there? Anybody know what he's doing? What's he doing? He's listening. So he's trying to silence the noise of the crowd, Right. But did you know, so he's trying to listen, he's got a speaker in his helmet, and he can hear directly from the coach. Did you know that? So um, I I did a little research. Every team can have one helmet with a speaker, only one. And typically, you're going to give that helmet to the quarterback. Now, here's Joe's coach. And uh, so Zach Taylor, he's a young coach. See, he's got his little headset on. He's in communication with the offensive coordinator who is where? Up in the skybox, right? So he has a unique view of what's going on down on the field. And so the offensive coordinator is communicating with the head coach who then communicates with the quarterback and tells them what play to run. Now, here's an interesting thing. Between each play, you only have 40 seconds. There are 40 seconds between plays. And I didn't know this. But the the coach can only communicate through that speaker for 25 seconds. He's got 25 seconds to communicate the play to be run. And then the quarterback has to communicate that to his team, right? And then they huddle up, they get the play, and then they go. Every man has a specific role. Every man has a specific role to play. And if they play it well, they typically advance the ball, right? But if they don't, they may lose ground, lose yardage, and even turn over the ball to their opponent. Now, I share this with you not only because I found it fascinating, but I think there's a, a direct correlation between what we see going on on the football field and what is going on in our lives on a daily basis. Here's the thing. Did you know we have this unique communication device between us and God? It's called prayer. It's called prayer. And God has this unique vantage point. He's in the ultimate skybox, right? And he looks down and he can see things that we don't notice because we're, we're too caught up in, in what is right before us. He sees it all. And here's the other unique thing. He knows what's going to happen even before it happens. Isn't that amazing? And so here, here's the thing. God wants us um, to be successful. He wants to guide us. He wants to guide us so that we can achieve the best possible outcome. And yet many, if not most of us, fail to consult him throughout our days. You ever think about that? So so God wants us to be successful. He wants to guide and direct us. He wants to give us the play. He already knows what the opponent's going to do. And he says, I want to communicate that with you. But how often do we go to him in prayer throughout our day? I want us to consider the importance of prayer this morning. And um, to do that, we're going to be in in John chapter 17. If you have a church Bible, I'd encourage you to pull it out or your own Bible, follow along. John 17, it's on page 1070 um, if you're using the church Bible. But what this is... um, known as is, is the high priestly prayer, the high priestly prayer. And this is a prayer that Jesus prayed to God the Father, a prayer from Jesus to God the Father, and it's recorded here for us. Now, for the month of January, we've been talking about our mission and our methods for accomplishing that mission and our ultimate goal. And so our mission here at Orchard Hills is to be people investing in people for eternity. And our methods is come, come grow, and go. And then our ultimate goal is to be disciples, men and women and children who live and love and lead like Jesus, and then to go and, and help other people become disciples as well. Now, these are important. I, I think they're impossible for us to do on our own strength, on our own, but I believe they're possible if we'll invite God into the process. Remember, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to guide. He wants to guide us. And here's the thing. I, I know this to be true. Um, our mission is actually God's mission, and our methods are God's methods, and our ultimate goal is God's ultimate goal. So I know he wants us to be successful in all of these things because Jesus told us so. Jesus told us so. And what we're going to see here um, through this prayer is, is sort of um, Jesus' heart for us in the midst of this. So, um, again, John 17, if, if you open up your Bible, you'll notice... When you go through it, it's really broken up into like three sections. So this is Jesus' prayer to God the Father. It begins with Jesus praying for himself. And then the next section is Jesus prays for his disciples. Those are the guys that were still around him. And then after that, Jesus prays for all believers. So that's going to include you and me. Now, we're going to begin in verse 1. It said, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, i brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do and now father this is jesus's prayer and now father glorify me in your presence with the glory i had with you when before the world began before the world began jesus was with god the father before the world began he was not a created being he is god he always has been and, and I think about this prayer and, and imagine so you're John. You're, you're one of Jesus' closest disciples. And think about John. He's got this unique, unique perspective. He, he actually is in close proximity with Jesus. Jesus was, was in the midst of talking with his disciples and, and spending time with them. And then he has a conversation with God the Father, and John is there, and, and he's listening. To every word. Not only is, is he intent on listening, like it's so good, he's writing it down. It's like this is, this is, this is gold right here. And so he writes it down. And I'm so thankful that he did because we get to hear the prayers of Jesus in the midst of this. So I, I think that's incredible. Um, he, he's really um, concerned about a couple different things because he's, he's about to, to leave this world. He's about to die. He's going to suffer on the cross for, for us, and then he's going to leave this earth. And um, so he, he's wrapping up. He's finishing this work, and he wants to be sure of a couple things. One is that God receives the glory for the victory that is to come. He wants to make sure that God receives the glory for the victory that was to come. And then secondly, he wants to be sure that those who have become and those who will become his disciples receive the ultimate prize, which is eternal life. He wants to make sure all of his followers, all those that believe in him, both then and now, receive that prize of eternal life. That's his heart. Now, Notice he he begins in this next section to pray for his disciples. So those are the disciples that were with him at the time. It's really even bigger than the 12. So while we typically focus on those 12 men that were following Jesus, remember there were a lot of disciples that were women. There were a lot of people that maybe didn't get the mention in the Bible, but he's he's praying for all of his disciples that were with him. And uh, listen to this in verse 6. He says, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now, here's what strikes me there, that God had a game plan. God the Father already had a game plan in mind, and he had already chosen the team for Jesus to lead. He had already chosen the team. These men and women... They, they weren't just random people that chose themselves to follow Jesus. No, they were hand-selected by God himself. He had picked each and every one of those men and women to become followers of Jesus. Their response was whether they were going to choose to be obedient to the call or not. God had hand-picked them, and their response was to choose whether they're going to obediently follow Jesus or not. Have you ever thought about this personally? That you have been handpicked by God. You are hand-picked by God to follow him, handpicked by him to be one of his disciples. You're not just randomly coming across this and and figuring this out on your own, like God has hand-picked you. Think about that. How how special does that make you feel? You've been hand-picked by God. Now, you have a choice. You can choose to follow him in obedience or not. That's your choice, but you have been hand-picked by God. It wasn't your choice. You were God's choice how special are you and we see with those early disciples that that some immediately responded in obedience we saw that last week with andrew and peter and james and john there were some that were a little more reluctant right and they hung back they needed a little bit more evidence and that could be true of you but you have been hand picked by god to become one of his followers your choice is whether you obey or not i find that encouraging now Look, he goes on in verse 11, and, and he says this. He says, protect them, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one, just as we are one. <sighs> Did you know there's power in the name of Jesus? Jesus. Like There's power in the name of Jesus. Simply speaking the name of Jesus, there is power in that name. Because when you speak the name of Jesus, you're not just speaking his name. What you're calling upon is his full authority. His full authority. There is power in the name of Jesus. Paul wrote this down in, in Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. Listen to how much power is in the name of Jesus. He said, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he says, to the glory of God the Father. Again, the focus has always been bringing glory to God the Father. But there's power in the name of Jesus. And if you read through the Bible, especially in in the New Testament, because that's when Jesus comes on the scene, um, read through Mark and then go to James, and, and it talks about the power of the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, even demons have to come under his authority. You have power. When you speak the name of Jesus, you have power over demons and darkness because everything is under his authority. There is power in the name of Jesus, and that power is still available to us today. That's why we pray, typically, in the name of Jesus. That's where the power is because it it embodies his, his authority as well. So and there's power available to us today, so he's praying for protection for his disciples, the guys and gals that were still with him then, and then notice he also prays for unity. He prays for this, this unity and this oneness. Unity and oneness is very important to God. He wants us to be unified. He wants us to be one with one another. Why? Because he wants us to experience what he experiences that that unity between the Father and the Son. He wants us to experience that as well. So if it's important to him, I think it should be important to us. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12, 18. He said, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. We're supposed to be people of peace. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be a person of peace. You're supposed to be Somebody that that brings reconciliation, that is trying to bring people together, especially people in the church, that we should be one, just as as God the Father and God the Son are one. And and it goes on. John said this, and uh, he recorded what Jesus said, actually, in John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another or how you love one another. And so... Again, this this unity, this love that we have for one another is so critical. It's so important to God. And if it's important to him, it should be important to us. And it calls into question. If we're not loving one another, other followers, other disciples of Jesus, then are we really followers and disciples of Jesus? Because in his prayer, he's got two main requests protect us and that we might be one, just like he and the father are one. If we're not about that, we should be all about being unified, being loving to one another. And and if we're, you know, seeing somebody in church or or out in in you know public in the grocery store and and we feel this need to avoid them, that that's probably a sign that we've got some work to do. And we need to go to them and we need to reconcile with them. We're called to be one with each other, just as God the Father and God the Son are one. And I'm going to talk to you more about the importance of this. It, it, it's sad. If you look at throughout the history of the Christian church, unity probably isn't the word that you would, you would use to describe the church. It would probably be one of disunity and discord. We haven't done well to get along with each other. You know, there's a lot of division within the church even today and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You know, when we look across the Roanoke Valley, we see 500 plus representations of Jesus's church. There's over 500 individual churches out there, but do you know how many churches there really are? There's one. See, God only has one, but he may have different representations. We may have different styles and things of that nature, but there's really only one church, and that's why we have been trying to really be a part of this one rono kind of movement we want to see churches come together we want to see fellow believers followers disciples of jesus loving one another well and working and serving with one another because that's how the world's going to know about jesus and so we're not called to be competing with one another we're called to be cooperating with one another I'm I'm excited about some of the progress we're making there. So this Tuesday, for instance, we got nine different churches from across the valley coming together with all of our staff, and and we're just going to meet for the day. And we're looking at ways that we can better reach every man, woman, and child with this good news of Jesus Christ. And and so it's a start. It's a start, and it's exciting. And, And hopefully that'll continue to grow over the months and over the years that we'll begin to see ourselves as one, that we'll truly love each other, that will be unified like God the Father and God the Son. That's his heart, and that's how we should respond. Now, um, he goes through and and he continues to talk um, about the disciples, and he even says that he hasn't lost any of them, um, not even one. And and so when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, well, what about Judas? You know, it seems like he was lost, but he he really wasn't if you think about it. I mean, Judas had a role to play. And he played it. Judas played his role. The sad thing when it comes to Judas is unlike Peter, who, remember, Peter abandoned Jesus too, right? He betrayed Jesus as well. But the difference between Judas and Peter was that Peter humbled himself, and he came to Jesus and he asked for forgiveness. And what did Jesus do? He forgave him. He restored him. But what about Judas? His pride, his pride wouldn't allow him to do that. And so instead of humbling himself before Jesus, he committed suicide. Sad, sad thing, but a great lesson for us. Even even when we betray Jesus, we, we should still come humbly before him, humbly before him, and receive the forgiveness that he has for us. Because he didn't come to condemn us, he came to free us. So I think that's an important piece. Now, um, he goes on, he talks more about protection from the evil one. He talks about this idea of sanctification um, through the word of God. And we could get into that more. Just read it, all right? Um, Let it do its thing. That would be good, all right? Anyhow, that's sanctification. Um, And then, so then he gets and he starts praying for the future disciples. So this is going to be me and you, hopefully, right? And so um, I love this. So he begins in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. So he's talking about the disciples that are living with him right now. He's like, my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's entrusting this message to them, and he's now praying for the people that will respond, people like you and me, to their message. He's not going to be present, right? So it says that all of them may be what? One. Again, do you, are you getting this? This oneness is pretty important to him. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why is it so important for us to be one with one another, to be unified as followers of Jesus? Because the world's looking. And, and if, if they don't see this, this love and this unity uh, amongst Jesus' followers, like if we can't even get along, what's going to attract them to following Jesus. He's like, there's a lot at stake here. This isn't just about you. It's about other people. And and if you're at odds with fellow believers, you need to fix that. And you need to fix it quickly. Because other people's lives hang in the balance. They're watching. They're watching. We're supposed to be different. Um, I I think this is, is so critical for us to grasp. There's a lot at stake here. And then um, he closes it out, closes it out, and he says this. He says, Righteous Father, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself, may be in them see that's jesus's heart part of why he wants us to be unified to be loving to one another is because if we don't then we're not going to experience the fullness of his love in us we're we're going to quench the spirit of god who came to live in us. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, he places his spirit. He's with us. And he says, I want to be with you, and I want you to know my love. I want you to be overwhelmed by my love. But when we hold on to bitterness or anger or disunity, how much room is left for the love of Jesus? What do we do unto ourselves? What do we do unto ourselves? He wants us to experience the fullness of his love. But when we choose those other things, gosh, we are hurting ourselves. And we're going exactly against Jesus' desire and his prayer for us. He wants us to experience the fullness of his love. He wants us to be one with him, just like he is one with the Father. He wants us to be unified, united to one another. And that should be. The case, if we're all truly followers of His, that's His heart's desire. Now, um, if our mission is God's mission, and our methods are His methods, and our ultimate goal is His ultimate goal, then shouldn't we be consulting Him more, like throughout our day? Like if He's got this unique vantage point. And he cares about every decision that we're going to make, everything that's going on in our days. And he wants us to be successful. Don't you think we should listen a little more? Because it it seemed to me like when you're like this, that's maybe a good sign. You know, like you're trying to keep the, the noise of the world out. How much time do we really spend just trying to listen to God? All right, God, what do you want me to do? Like, you, you can see things better than I can see. You, you already know what's going to happen. You know the plans of the enemy, the opposition. Like, what do you want me to do? Shouldn't we just be, like, in this constant conversation with God, constantly listening? It actually talks about that in the New Testament, about this idea of praying continually. I mean, we need to learn to develop that because I believe he's got a game plan, and, and he wants us to be successful. Now to do that, we're going to have to learn how to pray. And we're going to have to start being more intentional about our prayers. If if he wants to see every man, woman, and child come to know him and experience the love that he has for them, then that's going to have to have prayer at the heart of it, don't you think? Like everything that we do should be done in prayer. We should constantly not just be telling God. We, We miss that on the prayer thing. The biggest part of prayer is listening. And so If we want to see, like God wants to see, every man, woman, and child come to know Him, then we need to listen more. And so I've got um, a tool that I've been using, and I want to encourage all of you to use as well. And it's a simple app. So we're all about apps these days. It's called Bless Every Home. And so I believe if, if we want to um experience that that unity with god ourselves we've got to pray for ourselves that's okay that's not selfish but then we need to pray for our families and we need to pray for our neighbors and then we need to pray for our valley it needs to begin with prayer so um i got a quick little video to show you how this bless every home app works
1: thank you for becoming a light for christ to your neighbors You should have received your first daily reminder email with a suggested prayer and a list of your next five neighbors to pray for by name. We recommend you click go to map now to help you visualize the neighbors you are praying for that day. This will take you to an overhead view of your neighborhood where those five neighbors will be circled on the map. Click on a neighbor icon to track where you are in your pray, care, share journey with that home. When you have prayed for them, click pray. When you know them, click care. And when you've shared the gospel, click share. When you discover they are following Christ, click disciple. We recommend you encourage these neighbors to sign up to be lights as well. The notes button allows you to add prayer requests and comments about each neighbor home. We give you the most current list of publicly available information to help you get started meeting and blessing your neighbors. However, people are constantly moving. You can correct any errors in your list by clicking the edit button to fix or delete incorrect listings. When you change to the list view, you can add missing homes or print out your neighborhood list by clicking the download button. Click the settings icon in the top right corner of the page to modify your neighbor home assignment with the edit on map button, change the frequency of receiving your reminder emails, change the number of homes you are adopting, add or change your church name, and several other options. All right, so it's really
0: simple. Sun's going to come up in a minute and show you how to do it. So we're going to pull our phones out and actually do it again, because I, I learned, like, you're not going to do anything, I tell you, once you leave here. So um, <laughs> we're going to try and do it now. But let me just show you how it's been working for me. So I've got a picture uh, of me up there. So this is every morning I get five different neighbors to pray for. And so I'm... I 'm right here, and then I thought it would be interesting, so i 'm praying for all these neighbors here, and so they 're all in red, but then I thought it would be interesting to just put on this map here some of the folks that are members of our church, so um, the smuzzes are directly next door to me frank i've been praying for you the uh Teresa as well, you know, so your whole family actually but. So they're right there, and then the Esteses are over here, the Wyricks, the Roberts, the, the Medders are here, the Puckets are right here. Sorry, you didn't make my top 50, but out, you're right outside of it. You know, you got the Wheelers. Wheelers are brand new to town, so I replaced the other family that was there with the Wheelers. Over here, you got the Stritskys, the Kingmas. So imagine what this starts to look like if if the Smuzzes start doing this. Now all these people are getting prayer, and maybe they even reach the Puckets, the Puckets. Uh, So then what happens if the wheelers start doing it? So they're going to get a section and the puckets start doing it and they're going to get a section and see how there's going to be overlap. So people are going to get multiple prayers and look how it just starts branching out and branching out. It's really a wonderful thing. Now I want to show you a picture of the Roanoke Valley because there are some other churches that are ahead of us that are already doing this. And you'll notice here, so there are different shades. And so we're right in here and it's It's not well shaded, is it? And we're throughout this whole area. This is pretty much our reach as as Orchard Hills Church. But if you look down here, there's some darker shaded areas, aren't there? And that represents more people are praying for their neighbors. That's the coverage, the prayer coverage, just through this app. And so what I would love to see, so over here we see some great success because Shenandoah Baptist and um, Fellowship Community Church are praying. They're doing this within their church. So they're getting some pretty good coverage and some saturation of prayer. Well, I want to see all of this area become dark in the most positive of ways. Like we are just blanketing the area with prayer. And our goal for the next year is to try to get every man, woman, and child in the Roanoke Valley to be prayed for. Wouldn't that be neat? And this app is a way to do it. Like if we all just take this upon ourselves, we sign up every morning in your inbox, you're going to get five names to pray for and you just start praying and then others will do it. And this is going to work because it, it, it's the power of prayer. So I want to encourage you Sutton, come on up here and uh, teach these people how to do this and uh, let's see and then we'll monitor this over the next few weeks, and we'll see if this starts to change and gets darker and darker, all right?
2: Well, good morning, everybody. Do you like how Scott and I coordinated our flannels today? We've been trying to do that. Not really. Um, We're very excited about this. This is something that we've been using as your leadership for for months now, and it's been a blessing in our lives, and so we're excited to pass it on to you guys. Um, So to sign up, it's easy. Grab your phone, if you got it, I know not everybody brings their phone to church. That's okay. Um, this is something that is posted on the front page of our website in three different places. So um, you can do it from your computer at home, from your phone when you, when you leave here. Um, but if you have your phone with you, pull up your camera and scan the QR code that is in the back of the seat in front of you. Uh, this is just like we did for the survey a couple weeks ago, but don't worry. It doesn't take nearly as long as the survey. Um, so go ahead and do it. I know you might not want to, but just give it a try. Um, We've got a picture here. You pull up the phone, put it on the QR code. That QR code is going to give you that little yellow button. So you click on that yellow thing where it says flow to it, um, and it's going to float you right over to a new page. That page is on our website here. This is our welcome page. Um, And so you'll just click right on that image that says, Be Light in Your Neighborhood. When you click on that, it's going to take you to this page, which is the Bus Every Home website with a big old button that says sign up. So if you click sign up, um, it'll take you to a short form. I think there's only five things you have to fill out there. First and last name, email, a password, and your address. Uh, because this is a unique Orchard Hills link, this is already attached to our church, and so you'll be added to our church database, and we'll be able to see everybody who's praying, where we're praying, where we're covering the valley. Um, and that'll be really really cool, really exciting. So it's that simple. We'd love for you guys to do that. Thanks so much.
0: Awesome. So uh, we're going to try and keep this in front of us. Now, I just want to wrap up with some prayer. And we're going to change things up a little bit this morning. We're going to go back to the way we used to do things before COVID. Um, following the message, we would just open up the prayer rails. We'd have prayer ministers up here for anybody that wanted to come and and receive prayer. And so we're going to do that now. So if the prayer ministers would make their way up and um, John's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a song that will hopefully just help us to just calm our minds and our spirits to contemplate what we've heard, what um, God may be saying to us. And we're just going to enjoy a few minutes of just um, really some sweet time. So if you would like to be prayed for, come forward. If you want to just stay in your seat and enjoy this time, do that. And then we'll move into our time of communion.